How does someone get severely burned on 80 to 90% of their body while there is zero fire damage inside of their vehicle from smoking a cigarette? Welcome to another episode of Patterns of Behavior, where we focus on the people behind the crime. And on this week's episode, we have a case that's actually ongoing investigation. So therefore, it's technically an unsolved crime as of now. And to be honest with you, we're going to get into the details, but the way that it's going, I don't really feel confident in the police in this jurisdiction that this case will ever get solved. Today, we have the story of a Buddhist monk who was severely burned in middle December under very suspicious and mysterious circumstances. On the evening of Thursday, December 14th, a Buddhist monk from Vietnam was sitting in his home in Mobile, Alabama, and he was on the phone with his family in Vietnam. And for those of you who know of anyone who is from a family of immigrants, you don't get to really speak to your family from the other country very regularly, especially if they're from Asia, because the time difference makes it really hard to try to coordinate with, you know, with your schedule and their schedule on a regular basis, especially because typically depending on where you are and where they are, the time difference is typically around like 12 to about 14, 15 hour difference, which means that if you're just waking up at like seven o'clock in the morning, they're about to go to bed roughly around 9, 10 p.m. So it's really hard to be able to get that time frame right with everyone's busy schedules to be able to talk to people regularly. So when you get on the phone with them, typically it ends up being a very long conversation that may last a couple of hours. And on this night, on this Thursday night, the Buddhist monk, Tikkoi Jiao, and I do apologize, I have had many people try to teach me how to pronounce his name correctly, but um, it, it, Vietnamese is a very hard language, so please excuse my pronunciation, but the Buddhist monk, Tikkoi Jiao, was in his home speaking with his family roughly around 9 p.m., and they were catching up, talking about everything that's going on in their lives, as you would normally do when all of a sudden someone knocks on his door at 9 p.m. And in order to be able to answer the door, Tikoi Jiao ends up hanging up the phone with his family who heard the knocking on the door so that he can answer the people behind the door. And that is basically the last time that anyone knows or heard from Tikoi Jiao before the incident happened. So fast forward to about 10.33 p.m. that same evening, so roughly about an hour and a half after that initial knock on the door, when a call comes in to the 911. And on this phone call, it's Tikoi Jiao, and he is very frantic from what the transcript is saying, because as far as we know, as of today, even though it's been over a month since this incident happened, the actual recording of the 911 call has not been released. And as of today, even though it's been over a month since the incident, the only information that we have is a transcript of the 911 call that was released and not the actual recording, which typically may be perfectly fine. However, that really complicates getting the right information and specifically with this case because Tikoi Jiao 
did not speak English very fluently, if almost at all. It was a very rudimentary level of English that he spoke, which means that a lot of the call, at least on Tikoi Jiao's end, was spoken in his native tongue of Vietnamese. And unfortunately, the person who picked up the phone call was not a Vietnamese speaker and just spoke English, which means that during the transcript that was released, there is no actual interpretation or translation of the Vietnamese that was spoken by Tikoi Jiao. And the transcript literally just reads either inaudible or speaks Vietnamese which is very strange and odd, especially all the mysterious circumstances that is surrounding this case, because a lot of information could be held and interpreted and understood from what Tikoi Jiao says in Vietnamese. And I have the actual transcript, so we're going to read it together. And I'm going to go over the transcript with you in a minute after we go over some of the other details of what happened that night. So roughly after the 911 phone call comes, Tikoi Jiao, and for those of you who are watching us on video, either on Spotify or on YouTube, you will be able to see a version of the transcript scrolling right on the screen as well. At 10.36 p.m. and 32 seconds, 911 says, Mobile 911, what is the address of the emergency? Tikoi Jiao, inaudible, help me help me, help me. 911 asks, what is your address? Tikoi Jiao says, help me, help me, more inaudible, help me. 911 says, okay, what's going on, sir? What's the address? Caller says, uh, yeah, and then redacted because I'm assuming he's giving the address. 911 confirms the address. Tikoi Jiao continues on to say, yeah, yeah, emergency, emergency. 911 asks him, what is going on here? And then we have Tikoi Jiao speaking Vietnamese, so it just says inaudible slash language barrier. 911 asks, is someone sick or injured or do you want police? Tikoi Jiao says, no, 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 emergency, emergency, and then more Vietnamese that's transcribed as inaudible. 911 says, okay, well, sir. Tikoi Jiao interrupts to say, emergency. 911 then asks, do you need a language line, uh, an interpreter? Tikoi Jiao says, yeah, emergency, emergency. 911 asks, sir, what language do you speak? And right before I read on, I, I want you to really pay attention as I'm reading this or as you're reading this on the screen, the amount of miscommunication that happens because of the language barrier on both sides, because the 911 operator can't speak Vietnamese and because Tikoi Jiao doesn't speak English that well or understands English that well, especially, and remember, when you're in a state of panic, it's already really hard to process information that's coming in and to be able to perfectly and coherently communicate the stuff that you are feeling inside because of the panic. And especially if you remember, at this point, spoiler alert, Tikoi Jiao has been severely burned. So he's also trying to fight all of the pain that he is feeling. And I'm sure as all, we, all of us know, I've never been that severely burned, but even when I stub my toe, I can't even get the words out other than ow and probably a couple of expletives. 
So imagine being in this type of a panic situation to be able to try to understand a language that you're not fluent in and trying to get the information across so that you can get the help that you need, which to be honest with you, I would assume help me emergency should be enough, but we'll get into that in a second and let's just keep going here. So then after 911 asked what language Tikkoi Jiao speaks, he answers back in Vietnamese. So we have some more inaudible. And then he says, emergency, emergency, along with more inaudible. So he didn't understand or was able to process because of the pain, the 911 operator asking what language he speaks to be able to respond back Vietnamese. So then the 911 operator responds back, okay, stay on the line. Do you need medical? Tikoi Jiao responds back, yeah, medical, more Vietnamese that's written as inaudible language barrier. 911 says, sir, I need you to take a deep breath. Hello? And this is at the point that Tikoi Jiao hangs up the phone. And literally within a matter of seconds, maybe a minute later, Tikoi Jiao calls 911 again. Mobile 911, what is the address of your emergency? Tikoi Jiao says, hello? 911, what's the address of the emergency? Uh, a medical emergency redacted. Altair Lane, which is his address, inaudible language. Okay, what's wrong? So Tikoi Jiao speaks back in Vietnamese, so we just have inaudible language barrier. 911 says, okay, one moment. I see you're at redacted Altair Lane. Tikoi Jiao says, yeah, 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 yeah. Help me, help me. 911 says, okay. One moment for medical, stay on the line for me. And then there's a little bit of silence. And at this point, Mobile Fire Rescue Department also gets on the line and they say, Mobile Fire Rescue, what is the address of the emergency? First off, I want to take a second here as well. We've all been there when we call customer service and they transfer us from one person to the other. And it's just repeating the same information for about 15 minutes. I would assume that process should be streamlined in a 911 call um, because I, I don't know if you're listening to this, but at this point, time is being wasted on information that as far as I'm aware in 2024 slash 2023, 911 operators should have your address because I used to call 911 as a joke as a child before I knew any better. And even though I would just call and as soon as someone picked up, I would hang up. Um, they showed up at my door, but I digress. So then Tikoi Jiao responds back, yeah, my medical, medical, more Vietnamese as inaudible. Mobile Fire Rescue Department says, what's the address? So Tikoi Jiao responds with the address on Altair Lane. And then it says, caller screaming, Prob probably because he is in an immense pain. Because you're going to list, you're going to hear how much of his body was actually burned. Mobile Fire Rescue Department says, what's the address you're at, sir? Yeah, that's right. You heard that, right? He just said it, and they're asking for it again. Caller repeats the address, and it partially says inaudible. Mobile Fire Rescue Department says, 911, do you know what he is saying? 911 says the address. I'm going to take another break right here. 
So 911 was on the phone call. They have his address. Mobile Fire Rescue Department is asking repeatedly for the address, and they're waiting to be addressed to help with the communication. All of this, all of this is wrong. Tickoy Jiao says, no, 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 medical. So again, another miscommunication where they're trying to verify his address and Tikoi Jiao doesn't really understand or is able to, again, process what's happening because of the immense pain that he is in. So he speaks more Vietnamese that's written as an audible language barrier. Mobile Fire Rescue Department says, so he's calling from his address on Altair Lane? 911 says, uh-huh. And Tikoi Jiao says, yeah, yeah. Mobile Fire Rescue Department then says, okay, so we already have help started that way, Ken, and then Tikoi Jiao hangs up again. Because again, that phone call probably took about two minutes and all of it was wasted on trying to find out his address that 911 had already verified. So then matter of minutes later or seconds later, at 10.43 p.m. and 50 seconds, Another 911 phone call comes in. Of course, the 911 dispatcher asks for the address again. Tikoi Jiao just says, yeah, emergency, and speaks Vietnamese. 911 says, sir. Tikoi Jiao cuts them off to say, emergency, 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 and then continues to speak in Vietnamese. 911 says, okay. One moment, and then there is a little bout of silence before they respond back with, okay, sir, do you speak Spanish? Now, mind you, from what I understand, Mobile, Alabama and Alabama as a whole has a sizable Vietnamese community, a sizable Vietnamese community to the fact that people should be able to differentiate between Spanish, which is a very well-known language, especially in this country. And even if you don't speak Spanish, I would understand that you know what Spanish sounds like. And Vietnamese, for those of you that know, which (laughs) I have a really hard time believing in 2024, you don't know what Vietnamese sounds like, is a very distinct language that has very distinct sounds and inflections of the voice. And because of the inflections in the Vietnamese language, depending on how you pronounce a word, whether it goes up or down or stays the same, it can mean a multitude of different things. So again, sounds completely different, but let's just say between all the panic, the loud noises, the screaming, the 911 operator got a little confused. So we'll go on. So after 911 asks him, okay, sir, do you speak Spanish? Tikoi Jiao responds back, Yes, and then speaks in more Vietnamese and just says medical before he continues to speak in Vietnamese. So again, more misunderstanding, either because of the language barrier or because of the pain. So then 911 says, okay, listen, listen, the ambulance and the police have been notified. I'm going to get an interpreter. And then as he's saying interpreter, Tikoi Jiao cuts him off to speak Vietnamese. 911 responds back, okay, one moment. I'm going to get the interpreter, okay? One moment. Then the operator connects to an interpreter network and selects a Spanish language. And at this point, while the 911 operator is trying to get a Spanish interpreter, Tutyo Jiao speaks in Vietnamese and then says, Vietnamese, Vietnamese. Literally, he says Vietnamese. 
And while the 911 operator is continuing to connect to the interpreter, he just responds back, one moment. And then at this point, it even says on the transcript that Tik Tut Yojao can be heard moaning in pain. 911 continues to say, one moment, sir. And Tut Yojao says, yeah, and continues to speak in Vietnamese. Then the interpreter comes on the line and says, this is Catherine, your Spanish interpreter. I will interpret everything you're saying and keep it confidential. How can I help you? The 911 operator says, um, this is 911. I have a caller on the line. I need to know what his emergency is. Interpreter says, and the interpreter, and it doesn't say what she actually said. It just says, speak Spanish. At which point, Tut Yoye Jiao responds back, in Vietnamese and continues to say medical, medical, medical. The interpreter then asks, the interpreter continues to speak in Spanish, even though the person on the line didn't respond in Spanish, at which point Tut Yo Jiao responds back in Vietnamese. And then that's the point that the interpreter says, I don't understand what he is saying as she continues to speak in Spanish. Tut Yojao says, no, no, Vietnamese, Vietnamese. Interpreter then goes on to waste time by saying, I asked him if he spoke Spanish and he said, no, no, which is odd. So she heard the no, no, but not the Vietnamese and Vietnamese that followed immediately after. At which point Tut Yojao speaks in Vietnamese. The interpreter continues to speak in Spanish. And no, this is not a Saturday Night Live skit. 911 at this point says, he said, did, did he say he speaks Vietnamese? At which point, Tut Yo Jiao says, yes. The interpreter, the Spanish interpreter said, he said yes. 911 responds, okay, he told me he spoke Spanish. Can you translate for Vietnamese? The Spanish interpreter says, no, ma'am. At which point, Tut Yoigao continues to say for, I believe, the 30th time, emergency, and continues to speak in, in Vietnamese. 911 says, okay, can you get us to someone that does speak Vietnamese? Tut Yoigao hears Vietnamese and says, yes. The Spanish interpreter says, you will have to call the line. 911 says, okay, thank you, ma'am. Tut Yoigao continues to speak in Vietnamese because he doesn't understand what's going on and doesn't understand why no one is helping him. At which point the interpreter disconnects. 911 says, one moment, sir. And Tut Yo Jiao speaks in Vietnamese and says, help me, help me, help me, help me, police. 911 says, are the police there? Tut Yo Jiao says, yeah, yeah, police. So again, more miscommunication because... I'm not sure that Tut Yo Jiao understands that the 911 operator is asking if the police is there. He just hears police and knows that he said police, so he probably thinks that they're asking if he needs the police. At this point, the 911 operator connects to the interpreter network again, while Tut Yo Jiao continues to say, yeah, yeah, help me, help me. And at this point, 911 operator finally selects a Vietnamese language interpreter and continues to say to Tut Yo Jiao, okay, one moment. At which point the interpreter comes on and says, hello, my name is Rainan, and I will be your Vietnamese interpreter. I will interpret everything you say and keep it confidential. How may I help you? At this point, Tut Yo Jiao continues to speak Vietnamese, and 911 says, hi, this is 911. I have a mail caller on the line. Um, I need to know what his emergency is. 
And at this point, the Vietnamese interpreter and Tao Yojiao speak Vietnamese to each other. And then the interpreter says, so the police are already here. Can you ask to please call the ambulance for me? Because it is burned all over my body. And Tao Yojiao continues to speak in Vietnamese. And the 911 operator says, okay, he's saying it is burning all over his body. The interpreter says, yes, ma'am. 911 asks, okay, can you ask him, did someone harm him? The interpreter speaks in Vietnamese, assumingly asking him what happened. Yo Jiao speaks back in Vietnamese. And at this point, the interpreter says this, and this part is extremely important because we're going to circle back to this exact interaction. The interpreter says that what Yo Jiao said was, no, I smoke and then uh, accidentally, and then this is the, this is the very confusing part. It says inaudible, which is very confusing because the interpreter is speaking English, fell in and burned me. So I'm going to read that to you one more time. No, I smoke and then uh, accidentally, inaudible, fell in and burned me. 911 says, okay, okay, okay. It looks like the police are there and they did get that information over to medical. So if you can let him know that um, the ambulance has been notified and they are sending an ambulance there, which means that the police arrived, and even though Tutyo Jiao in English very clearly has been asking for medical help repeatedly, it is now at this point almost 15 to 20 minutes into calling 911 that 911 is finally understanding that he needs medical help. The interpreter, I'm, I'm assuming, explains this to Tutyo Jiao. Tutyo Jiao doesn't say anything. 911 says, yeah, it looks like the police have spoke with him, so is he not responding? The interpreter speaks in Vietnamese and then responds back, no, ma'am, at which point Tutyo Jiao responds by speaking Vietnamese. The interpreter interprets what he said and says that he said, hurry up, I will die. 911 responds back, okay, well, if you will just let him know that the ambulance has been notified and they are sending him out there, at which point the interpreter tells this to Tao Jiao. Tao Jiao responds back in Vietnamese to the interpreter. Interpreter responds, yes. 911 says, all right, well, we can go ahead and disconnect since the police are there, at which point the interpreter tells this to Tao Jiao in Vietnamese, and Tao Jiao responds back in Vietnamese, and the interpreter responds for him by saying, this is him, just keeps repeating, Please call the paramedic. I will die. 911 says, yes, ma'am. But you did tell him that they do have his information and they are coming out there, right? Interpreter says, yes, I did, ma'am. 911 says, all right, yes, ma'am. Well, thank you for your help. And they say their pleasantries and hang up. And that is the end of the final 911 call. Wow, that is extremely frustrating and really disheartening. Yeah, it is a circus, to say the least, because the whole majority of the phone call was wasted on trying to figure out what address he was at and then was trying to understand the fact that he needed help. And again, I will reiterate again, but we are living in 2023 slash 2024 now. This happened in 2023, this phone call. 911 can figure out your location. So if there's obviously a language barrier and someone is demanding and 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 I'm reading this to you because I I don't want to insert 
what the emotions were as they were saying this, but I am assuming it wasn't help, help medical. I am assuming it was help, help medical. I need medical, 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 medical. You know what I mean? So I don't know how someone is able to hear that type of panic in someone's voice as they're asking for medical and for help and not dispatch while then trying to figure out what's happening so that they can expedite the service for when the ambulance and the police actually get there. That's how I would assume a 911 call happens. But the 911 transcripts that came out from Tutyoy Jiao's phone calls, it doesn't really say that. It says that they wasted a whole lot of time getting him the help that he needed. In fact, it blows my mind that an amb- it seemingly sounds like an ambulance wasn't dispatched until the police arrived there, which means that the police were able to get to Tutyoy Jiao's house before the 911 dispatcher was even able to understand what he needed because he was still verifying his address. And I understand that Tatyo Jiao called 911 multiple times and that's the first thing they have to do. But I also know that 911 has a centralized database. And when the phone call comes in, and I don't know that much from what I understand, all the 911 systems are a little bit different. Again, we're in 2024. A couple things should be happening. A 911 dispatcher's phone call system should be centralized to the point when a phone call comes from the same number, from the same address, the previous phone calls that happened at least that day should immediately pop up for the 911 dispatcher. Secondly, there is absolutely no reason why in this day and age that a translation app of some sort is not integrated into a phone system. And remember, this isn't the 1900s. This isn't a switchboard operator where the person just has the audio. This person, this 911 dispatcher, has a full internet-capable computer and a database in front of them. There's zero reason why in a translator app, especially if there is a sizable Vietnamese community in this area, should not be integrated into the system. And the reason we only have the transcript of the 911 phone call and not the actual recording itself is because even though there is a Freedom of Information Act that is a federal act, Alabama has state regulations where 911 phone calls can only be released to the person who made the 911 phone call. And if you want it otherwise, if you're not the person who made the call, you have to go to court and convince a judge that the public interest of listening to that 911 phone call outweighs the privacy of the caller. And in Tutyo Jiao's case, if the caller is deceased, that 911 phone call can only be released to their estate or their legal representative, neither of which I am. So otherwise, I would fill out the Freedom of Information Act and demand that 911 phone call so that we can listen to the actual Vietnamese to try to understand what happened. And to be honest with you, if the police actually cared to try to solve this case, I would assume they would have gotten hands on that phone call and the media would have gotten hands on that phone call and we would have found out. But all of it, the fact that we don't have the phone call, the fact that we're only relying on the transcript. But at this point, there's I don't really understand why the police weren't able to get their hands on the phone call to get it translated. But the only way we can really know what happened on that phone call and what Tut Yojia really said is to be able to get our hands on the 
actual 911 audio. And at this point, Tutyoi Jiao is in the hospital and he has covered 80 to 90% of his body in severe third degree burns. And as the police are helping Tutyoi Jiao, before he goes to the hospital, the police notice that there is some fire damage on one of the door handles of Tutyoi Jiao's van. And this is the next part. Upon investigation, police discover that there is no burn marks inside of the van, but there is blood covering the steering wheel and some of the front windshield. And that blood belongs to Tutyoi Jiao. In addition to those blood marks and the burn marks on the door handle, and now we do have a photo of the door handle, and I'm not sure if the photo was flipped. And it might be because it's a cropped in photo of it, but you can't really tell which door that handle was from. It could be the front passenger side. It could also be the driver's side rear door because there is a crease immediately to the left, which means that it's either the front door that swings open or it's the back uh, driver's side door that swings, that um, slides open. But if you look at the video of the actual van being towed away by the police. Now, it, you might not be able to see it because it's zoomed out further than the cropped in photo, but it, the side that's being shown on the video seems to be the passenger side, and I don't really see any burn marks there, which makes me feel like it could possibly be the driver's side. However, in addition to the burn marks and the blood, police also found some cigarettes in his car. Now, a lot of people know that Buddhist monks specifically, they lead a life of sacrifice, which means that they vow a life of poverty and a life that's deprived of self-gratification. And of those things that's typically included is most likely smoking. Now, that doesn't mean that people aren't human beings and they don't have their vices. And from what is being told by some of his students from the temple, from the Buddhist temple, is that Tatyoi Jiao did used to smoke at some point, but from what all of his students understood, he stopped smoking a long time ago. In fact, the one student that was anonymously interviewed by Fox News stated that there were cigarettes found in his car, but from what we understood, he quit smoking a long time ago. And she specifically says, I don't know where those cigarettes came from. Now, the reason why I said earlier while we were reading the 911 phone call that we're going to be coming back to the point where they say that something inaudible fell in and he was burned, in addition to finding, well, supposedly, allegedly finding the cigarettes inside of his car, the police immediately put two and two together that he must have had a smoking accident and somehow was able to burn himself 80 to 90% of his body, even though the inside of his car shows no signs of fire damage except for that one door handle, the outside door handle. And that one didn't even look like fire damage. If you do watch the video, the video version of this podcast, you'll see that it kind of looks more like singe marks, either from smoke damage. And I'm not a fire expert whatsoever, even though I was a pyromaniac as a child, but it does almost seem like maybe some fire accelerant may have gotten on the door handle and a quick, just like quick burn up might've happened, but it could most likely be smoke damage. Now, in addition to that, 
even though the police department saw blood splattered all over his steering wheel and the inside of the front windshield, which again, not a fire or fire damage expert, but as far as I know, most people don't spew blood while they're burning, not, not projectile blood. And even though all of this evidence is there, Within a matter of, I believe, a day or two, police concluded immediately that it was a smoking accident and that they, quote, saw no signs of foul play. Now, if you're listening to this and you're saying that doesn't sound right, well, that's exactly the same thing that all of Tutyoy Jiao's inner circle also told the police. His friends and his students at the temple and everyone that knew him kept complaining to the police that they do not believe that this did not include foul play. So within four days on December 18th, Mobile Police Department decided to finally reopen the case and, quote, they said to try to verify that this was an accident. That, that was their words. Not to try to find the truth, but because, hey, people are complaining. So like, hey, we're going to reopen the case just to validate that we were right. That's kind of what the... PR statement sounded like. Now, using the evidence of what we know of what happened and the like, we're going to try to figure out what could and could not have happened. One, it doesn't seem like it was a smoking accident because what his inner circle, his friends, as well as some of his neighbors, according to some of the media in Vietnam, as well as some of the people that allegedly knew Tutyoy Jiao, reached out to me to let me know after I initially made the TikTok videos that what is being told around Mobile, Alabama and within that circle is that allegedly there are some witnesses who were his neighbors who state that at 9 p.m. when he got that knock on the door, apparently there was a group of people. And there's some are saying that there were four people at the door and specifically some are alleging that there was three men and one woman. And one of those people that reached out to me who claims that their mother was a good friend of Tatyoy Jiao said a group of people that remain unidentified and unknown apparently draped him with a bed sheet and continued to brutally beat him. And after they beat him, they doused him with alcohol and set him on fire. Now, some people also allege that it, it was gasoline. Now, hearing that, and knowing that he was 80 to 90% burned on his body, with the exception of people who might have fallen asleep on their couch and there was an indoor fire, I don't know how that's possible. And maybe let's say that Tutyoy Jiao was smoking a cigarette in his van and fell asleep and caused a fire. Well, then the inside of his van would be burned. But there's no way that he had a fire while he was smoking to the point that he burned 80 to 90% of his body. In fact, he was so severely burned that he ended up losing his life. And that's not possible. As someone who used to smoke cigarettes when I was younger, that's, that's not possible. And to me, I find it very suspicious that police did not test anything that happened, none of the clothes that Tatyo Jai was wearing or Tatyo Jai himself or even the car to see if there were any fire accelerants, any residue of fire accelerants whatsoever, whether it be alcohol, gasoline, 
anything that's flammable that would have caused someone to actually burst into flames to the point that they burned 80 to 90% of the body. Because I mean, let's actually think about this, right? You're smoking. Let's just possibly say that he's wearing something very flammable and he's smoking. He drops ashes or drops some of the cherry, the burning cherry onto his clothes and he goes up in flames, right? What are the chances that people aren't able to put that out? They don't know stop, drop, and roll. And they do continue to burn. At which point, why is there blood on the inside of his vehicle? Why isn't there any burn marks inside of his vehicle? None of that makes any sense whatsoever. And it's wild to me that it wasn't even just the initial hypothesis, but the police literally closed the case within a matter. I mean, I don't even want to say days at this point, it's a matter of hours because until it gets to the three digit numbers of day of hours, it's still measured in hours, whether it's 24, 48 hours, they thought they had enough to close the case. I wonder with it being closed, what the deal is and maybe getting an autopsy of his body uh, to see if there are bruises and from getting beat prior to the fire. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't even really honestly think about that, but I don't know what kind of damage fire or how severe his burns were. Obviously, they're third degree, but there are varying levels of third degree, I'm assuming. And how much of any of that potential physical evidence might have literally gone up in flames because he was burnt. So I, I honestly, I, I don't know. Um, I don't claim to be a forensic expert, but but that's the thing. They're the police. They have access to forensic experts. And it doesn't even sound like they asked any of them to review the case. But let's go over some of the evidence. And from someone who's nowhere near a forensic expert, I think what the neighbors are allegedly saying, based off of what Tutyoy Jiao's you know, inner circle is stating, if someone were to knock on Tutyoy Jiao's door at 9 p.m., kidnap him, drape a cloth over him so they don't know, he doesn't know what's happening, you know, his guard is down, they beat him up, they douse him with gasoline or some sort of accelerant, and then light him on fire, what would be the obvious thing that that victim would do? That person would try to get away while also extinguishing the fire simultaneously. And depending on where this happened, and now if they're saying that a neighbor saw it, I'm assuming it didn't happen too far from his front steps and he had access to his van, I'm assuming the first thing that I would do is try to run to my car to get in it so I can go get help of some sort. At which point, I'm assuming the people who were after me are going to chase after me to try to hurt me more or stop me which when I'm assuming if Tatyoja was inside of his vehicle at this point, which means that he may have been still partially on flame while trying to open a door and then may have been extinguished by the time he got inside by maybe patting his arm or whatever it may be. And then the perpetrators come after him and I don't know, try to slam his head against the steering wheel 
all of that seems to make the most sense because in this video with the news, they showed the inside of his vehicle in a video. It's really dark because they filmed it at nighttime. And you can see the blood that's splattered on the windshield and on the steering wheel. And from his rear view mirror, like a lot of us do, I'm not quite sure exactly what it was, but I know people tend to hang their graduation tassels on there. And there was something hanging from his rear view mirror. One was, I believe, some beads, like a beaded necklace, you know, which a lot of Buddhists use. And then there was a whole bunch of tassels. And I don't know if you know the type of fabric that is used on those tassels, but it is very flammable. And there is not a single singe mark on any of them, which means that none of the theory that the police have used or the one theory that they even cared to put out makes zero sense. And like I said earlier, unfortunately, Tokyo Jail did lose his life from the injuries that he sustained from being severely burned and beaten, remember, right around New Year's. Unfortunately, his community was able to get his body back home to his hometown in Vietnam, where they were able to appropriately and respectfully put his body to rest. However, as stated before, this case is still ongoing, and I don't know that it will ever be solved. It might remain a cold case, or it may be closed with some BS conclusion again. And even though this case isn't closed, and typically I did not want to do too many ongoing investigations, I feel the need to really make an episode about this case because at least stateside in the U.S., almost nobody is talking about this, which means that if the Mobile Police Department is trying to bury this case, there will be a less chance that they'll be able to do so if there is more awareness about what happened to the Buddhist monk Tatyoi Jiao. Now, this may be a future episode depending on the amount of information that I can find, but less than about 20 to 25 miles away from Mobile, Alabama, in a town in Alabama called Grand Bay, Alabama, roughly about 12 years ago, Another Buddhist monk lost his life. And at that time, they're claiming that another Buddhist monk within the same temple beat the monk to death. But the circumstances of that case was also a little mysterious as well. And I don't know if there is someone in Alabama who has something against Buddhism or Buddhist monks or just vitriol hatred for someone that is not like them. But... And this is a big alleged but because I have no evidence whatsoever outside of the behavior of the police on how quickly they were able to close this case with contradicting evidence, but also the fact that now it has been almost a month and there hasn't really been any movement of the needle whatsoever. People have not reached out to Tatyoi Jiao's inner circle to get more evidence there hasn't been any movement with the media in Mobile, Alabama, because if what the Vietnamese media is, is saying is true and that there are witnesses, it is very suspicious to me that none of that is being reported in our media. Now, it may be because it could just be full alleged rumors. However, 
allegedly from the people that knew Tutyoy Jiao personally, including DMs, comments on the videos, everyone is hearing that there were four people involved. It was a kidnapping. He was brutally beaten and burned to death viciously. And to be honest, as you know, you're able to conclude whatever you want, but all of the evidence seems to be pointing in that manner. And because of the behavior of the police, as a lot of you have said in the comments on TikTok, is there a possibility that a police officer could be involved? I, I don't know. I don't know. And remember, anything can happen because even as recently as 2021, it was documented that there are over 20 active hate groups that are operating within the state of Alabama, including some very radical religious groups like the radical traditional Catholicism, Phineas Priesthood, as well as all of your general hate groups that just hate people that are not like them. But after losing his life at 43 years old, nobody had nothing but amazing things to say about Tutyoy Jiao, about how giving he was, how understanding he was, how patient he was with his teachings, and how he tried to live the best life that he could, giving back to his family. And for those of you that may not be aware, Buddhism is a peaceful religion that's founded on the basis of karma, which is the idea that your action, which is driven by your intention, leads to future consequences. So it's a very strong belief that if you do bad things, bad things will come back to you. So in addition to the fact that they believe in rebirth, so the better that you are in life, the better life that you're going to have in your next life. And that keeps going on to a multiple stages until you reach what is known as nirvana, where you reach the ultimate oneness with the earth and become a part of life itself. So you reach that final stage where you're finally rewarded for leading a good life, which means that there is zero that Tutyoy Jiao could have done that would have ever warranted him deserving anything close to this, let alone this being the way that he deserved to lose his life. But as far as I understand, and I'm not a Buddhist, but what I remember about Buddhism is that it seems that the one silver lining of Tutyoy Jiao is, is that he, the way that he left with the life that he led, I believe that he is currently has reached the state of Nirvana. But either way, I hope that Tutyoy Jiao is finally resting in peace. If you know anything about this case, have any evidence whatsoever, or you yourself are a witness, please feel free to reach out to me so that we can make sure whether he's at peace or not, that Tutyoy Jiao still deserves justice for what happened to him. And his community, his family, his friends deserve to know what happened and to be able to live in peace knowing that Tutyoy Jiao got justice. Otherwise, thank you for being here and caring enough to listen. If you would like to help keep patterns of behavior sustainable, please think about joining our Patreon. Otherwise, you can watch patterns of behavior either on Spotify or on YouTube. And if you are watching us on YouTube, please make sure you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for some future notifications for new episodes. Otherwise, new episodes drop every Monday. You can also find me on social media on Etch-A-Sketch. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.